0: the show that takes you inside the provocative and stimulating world of design and branding as it intersects with contemporary culture. Here's your host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. In
1: 2003, scientists decoding the human genome discovered that only 78 genes separated men from women, the pesky little Y chromosome that divides the men from us girls. But since the beginning of recorded time, Humans have been trying to figure out not only why men and women are different, but how. Plato defined love as passion aroused by beauty. Plato believed the pathway to metaphysical ideas was a road that took him deep into the heart and depths of sensuousness. For Plato, love was essentially spiritual. In love, what one entered a heavenly existence he referred to as full sensuousness. In his symposium, Plato explained that love was the fundamental power that led the soul from the physical love of the body all the way up to the intellectual love of everlasting ideas. According to Plato, men and women were originally two equal halves of the spherical superior being. more modern-day philosopher of sorts, Chris Rock, sees it differently. Asking the audience in the 1999 HBO special, Bigger and Blacker, what do women want, he answers his own question with this, women want compliments and lots of shoes. And to the question, what do men want, he put it rather bluntly. Men, he says, want this, feed me, fuck me, and shut the fuck up. According to psychologist Michael Connor, none of us would argue the fact that men and women are physically different. The physical differences are obvious, and most of these can be seen and easily measured. Weight, shape, size, and anatomy are not political opinions, but rather tangible and easily measured. The physical differences between men and women provide functional advantages and have had survival value since the beginning of time. Men usually have greater upper body strength, build muscle more easily, have thicker skin, bruise less easily, and have a lower threshold of awareness of injuries to their extremities, or at least some extremities. Men are essentially built for physical confrontation and the use of force. Women, on the other hand, have four times as many brain cells connecting the right and left side of their brain. This physical evidence supports the observation that men rely easily and more heavily on the left brain, to solve one problem one step at a time. Women have more efficient access to both sides of their brain and therefore greater use of their right brain. However, a 2005 study by American Psychologist magazine found that most intellectual differences between men and women have been vastly overstated. The publication examined 120 traits, including personality, communication skills, thinking power, and leadership potential, and found that while there are some differences, they were mostly so small as to be statistically irrelevant. I love that term, statistically irrelevant. The study found significant differences were only in 22% of the traits. These included sexual behavior, surprise, surprise, where men were less willing to show commitment, and in aggression, men were more prone to anger. Again, big surprise. Janet Shibley Hyde, a professor of psychology at the University of Wisconsin who led the study, said, Popular media has portrayed men and women as psychologically different as two planets, Mars and Venus, but these differences are vastly overestimated. The two sexes are more similar in personality, communication, cognitive ability, and leadership than realized. One of the biggest and most intriguing finding, while there, while there were differences in sexual behavior, When it came down to love, there were actually very few differences. Men and women both wanted to be in love equally. In researching the differences between men and women, I came across a study this week that asked a group of children ranging ages 4 through 8 this question, What does love mean? The answers they got were broader and deeper than anyone could have imagined, and for the most part, they were gender agnostic. I'd like to share 10 of the best responses with you today. Number one, love is that first feeling you feel before all the bad stuff gets in the way. Number two, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You know that your name is safe in their mouth. Number three, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. Number five, I'm sorry, number four. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. Number five. Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. Number six. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Number seven. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, and then he wears it every day. Number eight, when you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down, and little stars come out of you. Number nine, love is when Mommy sees Daddy on the toilet, and she doesn't think it's gross. Number ten, In the most hopeful and optimistic response, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it, but if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. Other than the obvious exclusion of the importance of shoes and compliments, I think the children describe love rather well. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, back by popular demand. My guests today on the show are the bad boys of Design 3, featuring Alan Dye, Josh Chen, Manuel Toscano, and Lane Bronstein. Before we get started with our interview, I'm going to tell you just a little bit more about them. Alan Dye has managed the overall brand aesthetic for Kate Spade and Jack Spade since February of 2004. Previously, Alan was the design director and partner at Ogilvy and Mather's Brand Integration Group. And prior to joining Ogilvy, Dye spent four years at Landor Associates. Last year, he spoke at the AIGA New York Chapter Fresh Dialogue event, and he was selected by Print Magazine as one of their new visual artists in the annual 20 Under 30 issue. Josh Chen is Principal and Creative Director of San Francisco-based Chen Design Associates. Josh has over 16 years of professional experience in the fields of design, broadcasting, journalism, and music. In 2002, Josh led the studio in its first foray into book authoring with one-color graphics. Now it's in in its second printing. And among many others, the firm has been featured in Communication Arts for their magnificent self-published book, Peace, 100 Ideas. Manuel Toscano has been employed as a wire photographer and also worked as a freelance photographer in Washington, D.C. and New York. He is also a visiting faculty member at the School of Visual Arts and has consulted for cultural and educational institutions in New York. He joined the firm Zago as a partner in 1998 and Lane Bronstein, our baddest boy, was born in New York and he lives in Atlanta. He's co founder of Undo, an interactive motion graphics design house. His unique style blends the raw with the elegant to create a dreamlike hybrid that redefines experience design. His design for submedia TV is featured in this month's issue of Wired, and Lane's broadcast work can currently be seen on the N Channel as well. Lane left school early to begin his career and he hasn't looked back since. Welcome gentlemen.
2: Thanks, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Hi. Thank you. So good to have you all. So um if you've listened to either Bad Boys One or Bad Boys Two we have a real franchise going here. Um, you probably know what my first question is, so I have to ask it again. Um, who is your favorite female designer? <laughs> Alan, you first.
2: Oh, man. You that's, know. A one, yeah. that's a tough one, I gave
1: you warning. I, I gave I'm you gonna, warning. You know, I've I,
2: I got to go with, with my gut here, and, and I've, got, I've got five of them.
1: Okay. Okay, that's good.
2: Abby, Mary, Paulina, Brigitte, and Johanna were the uh, five amazingly talented women on my team. Oh,
1: wonderful. Without a doubt. Oh,
2: okay. They make me look pretty good
1: Very sentimental and lovely But generous. Barbara
2: Globber is a, you know, a close number six for sure
3: Okay, okay, good uh, Manuel? Um, unfortunately, I don't, I don't really have a favorite designer in general That alone a woman But um, it's, uh, I, maybe it's a testament that I don't check what sex the work is from oh, Okay, very good, good answer <laughs> Lane, what about you?
4: Um, I would say, as far as an artist goes, I really like Kiki Smith's work. Uh-huh. Um, other than that, I, re- I really don't know. I don't I don't know.
1: You're disappointing me, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what about you?
5: Um, well, I was kind of thinking, in terms of longevity and just kind of what she's done over the years, like I certainly think Paula Scher has been a, a great influence on me. hmm And just for the an tenacity and for for her being able to continue.
1: Okay, um, I'd like you all to think back for a moment. I'm going to ask you all all four of you this question. And Alan, I'll, I'll ask you to answer first. Sorry, you had the most time. <laughs> the last question in this one. Let's um, keep it this week. I want to I want to talk to you about your first creative memories. What was the first? creative memory you ever
2: have. Oh man, that's another tough one. Oh, the you know, creative
1: experience. What is the memory of your first it's creative gotta experience? Be,
2: it's gotta be when I was a kid. You know, my, my folks uh, were both teachers, but they had this little wood shop in the basement and we had this little woodworking business where they would make, you know, folk toys and things like that. And it was a, uh, you know, really work working with my brother and making, you know, spaceships and all this these things out of wood. And working with my dad and, and really working on on, you know, how to construct things and the process of building things out of wood. And I think that's really um, for me, really, where it all started.
1: Yeah, I actually read a quote about it, that you said. Um, you said that learning about carpentry as a kid in your dad's basement taught you more about being a graphic designer than you ever could imagine.
2: Almost oh, definitely. So, I what, mean, in what way? Well, I think it's about, a lot about process. You know, it was it was you know, my dad always taught me to uh, measure twice and cut once. Oh, you know, very nice. And I think that was. Uh, it's kind of been the lesson for me throughout my whole career about how how I make design as well. It's all about the process, and I always have to kind of measure twice before I can get it right the third time. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a lot of, for me, design is a lot about the process, and I kind of have to beat a lot of things out of myself in order to get to where I want to get.
1: Okay.
2: Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Do you find that it happens slowly, or does it happen quickly, or is it just sort of?
2: For, whatever, for some people, it happens really quickly, and, and, and for me, it just takes a lot of time. For me, it's a little bit of a slower process, and it kind of takes actually doing the work in order to get to something that, 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 that I'm happy with.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Manuel, what about you? Your first cre- the memory of your first creative experience.
3: I, th- I think when I realized I was alive, that, that probably... So when worked. was that? When did you first gain consciousness? Uh, probably around four I mean, you know, when I consciousness has the sense of remembering having consciousness, I probably have no memories before that. And mm-hmm. uh, it just seemed like uh, everything that around me, everything I was doing, even my parents were made up by me. Uh-huh. That's probably the truth, and that slowly I realized it wasn't true. I oh, I was going to say, do you
1: still feel that way? No. <laughs> yeah, <I wish. laughs> Everything is made up by you. Uh,
3: yeah, no, the, now it's the opposite.
1: Actually, I saw Philippe Stark speak last week, and he said that we are actually all living in one collective hallucination, and I thought that was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Josh, what about you? You're either for, oh, we only have a little bit of time left, so um, you can start. But if you hear music, then I'm going to have to ask you to pause and then sure. we'll come back after the commercial break
5: well I, I distinctly remember in kindergarten and this was actually in paris um where we grew up um painting flower vases and uh doing handcrafts like pillows and, you know really not not doing your typical things that you would do in kindergarten but really <laughs> starting to do a lot of artistic things
1: and, you were painting vases in yeah, kindergarten. yeah they had,
5: they had these ceramic vases that we would uh, we would get, you know, they would just allow us to paint on them, and then they'd take them to the kiln, and, you know, and lo and behold, I still actually have one sitting on my desk to this day. Really? Yeah, it's really cool.
1: And how old are you now?
5: Um, <laughs> nearing 40.
1: So you're nearing 40. So that was what? You were about six when you did it. I was that?
5: about four and a half, yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Thirty. a 35-year-old vase. It's practically an antique. <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: Wonderful. Well, we're going to have to take a break. So, Lane, you have a lot more time to think about your first creative experience. I'd like to let everybody know that they're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guests this lovely Friday afternoon are the bad boys of design, Lane Bronstein, Josh Chen, Alan Dye, and Manuel Toscano. We'll be right back with our broadcast after these messages. So, please don't go away.
6: Listen, wherever you are, 24-hour business and financial news, solid, focused, and informed. The leader in business talk, Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com.
1: And now, Voices of Design, a documentary series brought to you by Adobe Systems. The Voices of Design series brings together different voices from the design community to share and exchange ideas on various topics. Today's show features a three-part discussion focused on the topic of sustainability. This is part one. Enjoy.
7: What is sustainability, and what does it mean to the design community? Let's listen to what the designers at the Compost Modern 2006 conference have to say on this topic in Adobe's Voices of Design series. Here is Phil Hamlet, Chairman, AIGA Environmental Committee. The definition of sustainability that I like to use is quite simple. It's basically leave the place in better
0: shape than you found it.
7: Scott Summit, Summit ID.
0: Sustainability is particularly elusive, especially in industrial design, and that's one of the main reasons I'm here is to try to get a handle on what it means and just how it applies to what I do every day and what I can impart to my clients.
7: Mark Willard, IDO.
0: The pressure's on and whoever
7: solves it in a more sustainable and desirable way is ahead of the game and, and is what, whether people sort of consciously or subconsciously know it, it's, it's definitely what we need. You have been listening to the Voices of Design series brought to you by Adobe Systems.
0: To grow a company, revenues need to grow. To grow revenues, the organization needs to grow. But what does it take to get and keep quality personnel needed to grow business? Tune into Real People Really Leading with Trish Lambert. Get the inside scoop on how to leverage your best assets to sustained business growth. Trish and her expert guests, from business owners to CEOs to solopreneurs, share the knowledge, experience, and business savvy they have used to lead their teams to continual and persistent business victory. Real people really leading broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Real people really leading because knowing is growing.
6: Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business, this is Voice America Business.
0: We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 866-472-5790. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman.
1: Welcome back. It is 316 Eastern Time, and you're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guests today are the bad boys of design, Lane Bronstein, Josh Chen, Alan Dye, and Manuel Toscano. If you'd like to join our conversation, if you have a question for any of our gentlemen, our phone lines are now open. You can call 1-866-472-5790. And before the break, I had asked all four of these lovely gentlemen about their first creative experience, the memory that they had of their first creative experience. And Lane was just about to tell us before the commercial break. Lane, you're on the air.
4: Um, I think the earliest experience that I can remember was in nursery school, and, you know, they, they used to have these huge Legos for when, when you were that young. And I remember just sitting around and, and working with the Legos, and then after a while I'd, I'd look around and I'd see that all the kids were standing around me watching me build these Legos, and I found that very exciting that people were interested in something that I was creating.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And that was probably my first experience as far as design, I, don't, I, I guess, if you can call it that.
1: So did you always, did all four of you all always know you were going to be designers? Was that always just the thing you knew you were going to do, Alan?
3: Yeah,
2: uh. yeah I guess so. It took until college for me to really figure out that that's what I wanted to do.
1: Because, like, I don't know too many little kids that walk around, you know, saying, oh, I want to be a fireman or I want to be a nurse. No, no, <coughs> I want to be a designer. I want to be I was a the graphic one, you designer. know, it's funny because I
2: was the one kid, you know, that, that I drew type. Like all through grammar school and high school, and yet I never quite figured it out that you could be a graphic designer until college.
1: So you were a geek.
2: No, I was just too busy <laughs> playing basketball and running around.
1: Yeah, Manuel, did you always want to be a designer?
2: No, I, I think uh, I decided that it was
3: the right way to go when I realized how much influence you have.
1: Really, and to, uh, what made you realize that?
3: Being a photographer for a very long time teaches you that, I suppose. Uh-huh. You realize that, uh, you know, if you are up the food chain, is better. You
1: think designers are up the food chain than yes, photographers? Definitely. Do you? Yes, Interesting. Um, Lane, what about you? Did you always know?
4: Uh, actually, I did. Uh, it's always been my passion. And I, I, for as long as I can remember, I've always said, you know, I wanted to be this great and famous artist, you know. And, well, being uh, an
1: artist is different I, from being a designer. I mean, yeah, about, I, people for me, always? it's
4: kind of the same thing. You know, and that—that's a struggle for for people to see, especially in my industry. You no, know, I've, I've heard from a lot of people that what I do is
5: not art Do
1: you guys well, know do, do you feel like there's a big distinction Between design and art? You art is probably really more really difficult
3: <laughs> to get into Than design As It's a more thought. difficult to make a living Yeah, yeah. I mean it's, yeah, it's a tougher Meaner More selfish world I guess you could tell I went to art <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alan what do you think?
2: I think it's a tough argument. You know, I think sometimes design is art and sometimes art is design. But, um, you know, there's definitely a distinction. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: So, Josh, what about
5: you? Did you always know? Um, Not really. But I was thinking I've always been fascinated with just drawing and letter forms or, you know, in terms of language, I guess, growing up in different countries. um, It was always a challenge for me to, to know how to, communicate and know how to be understood you know we grew up in Europe for for the first uh, part of my life and I think as an Asian Asian kid in a predominantly white culture it was I, I think what happened was the, the, the need inside of me to, to want to know how to communicate want to know how to be understood and also how to understand the people around me you know going to school was completely in French. And then when I got home, my parents spoke Chinese.
1: Wow. How many so, languages do you speak now?
5: Um, <laughs> I speak English. <laughs> 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 I forgot my French, and my, my parents are completely embarrassed, that I don't know any Chinese. Um, but I, I think it's that thing where, you know, I was just really fascinated by, by words, and how, how pieces of, you know, parts of, of things come together to form these different words that people understood or didn't understand. And I, I don't think I ever knew that uh, you know, the design was, was, was something that I wanted to get into. In fact, it wasn't until after college that, that I found out that you could actually you know, make a living doing what we're doing now.
1: Mm-hmm. So what what was that realization?
5: When did that happen? When did that happen? Um, I think just kind of being thrown into it, you know. Um, I, I went to school studying broadcast journalism because I thought that, that was that was where I would kind of make my mark, but, uh, but you know, got hooked up with, with some people that were actually doing production and layout for, for books and uh, realizing that, that that really was something that I really, really liked doing and was passionate about.
1: So. Now, Lane, you didn't go to school for design, did you?
4: Well, I went for about, I, I would say about two and a half years, and then I said, screw it. Uh
1: huh. Why is that?
4: Um, well, I definitely uh, had a temper back then. Um, and you
1: don't know
4: uh, <laughs> what happened to it uh, I try to keep it on tap now, oh okay um but i got I remember getting into a lot of arguments with my teachers um, at the time, and I just it, i didn't feel like it was right for me and i and I also felt like most of the stuff that I was learning I was learning on my own anyway um, And, so and at, the, at that time, uh, especially interactive, it was brand new, so i you know most of the students knew more than the teachers did
1: mm-hmm. So, what kind of arguments did you have with your teachers?,
4: um, Well, a lot of it was grading, <laughs> <laughs> you know or i you know I would know that one student spent five minutes on something and I might have spent three days on something and that student would get an A and i would I would get a C that uh-huh. kind of thing or it's just it's re- i always found I always found that it was really hard to to it's really hard to grade a grade a piece of artwork
1: Well yeah, it's a very subjective experience.
4: Yeah, and uh, I found that a lot of the teachers would grade based on, you know, just who who they hung out with after class. And it, it, the whole thing was very irritating to me. Where did you go to school? I went to school in the fine arts department at University of Florida. And at that time, I was studying uh, video and 3D animation there.
1: Now, is it true, I read, the, I read this online about you, um, huh. that you said at a client pitch, um, there is a slight color shift on this corner over here, I know that you really won't be able to see it, but subconsciously you know it's there, and your id will think it's cool.
4: <laughs> yeah, Chair I actually falls. did say that because, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of times clients they come in and you know, and I'm sure everyone's heard this, where they're like, "Can you change that red to green?" Or You know, can you can can you change this color to that color? And they don't realize that it might have spent you, you might have spent maybe eight hours deciding between two shades of blue. Right. And Usually if I can convince a client that it's cool and it's hip and, you know, kids will like it, then it, it goes a long way. So how
1: do, you, how, do you, how do you convince somebody that something is cool and hip? That's like the million-dollar question here.
3: <laughs>
4: um, that's, you know, that's, that's very hard. A lot of times I leave that to my partner, Toby Past. He's, he's actually a lot better at speaking to people. And I am because I have a tendency to, especially being in Atlanta, uh, there's definitely a mentality here that's different than New York.
1: In what way? So, what do you, what, how would you describe it?
4: Well, um, I, I'm, I'm a very abrupt person, and down here they don't, they don't take that very well. Ah, you know, I so I guess that's why you and me hit it off very quickly is because we're, we're both from New York, whereas people down here, I, I tend to get on their bad side very quickly.
3: And what did you say that way? Must be the temper, Camilla. Oh, yes, the temper.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: So, Alan, you're you're actually a man that I find to be extremely elegant and and dignified, Um, yet you seem to have this sort of raucous basketball personality that's in your past. Um, How did you end up at Kate Spade? Yeah, I was going to say, bringing
2: the handbag designer guy (laughs) into the bad boy show is certainly not helping with anybody's credibility over here.
1: Hardly, hardly. Well, you know. Let, just, let's it, let our listeners decide with themselves.
2: No, it came from, you know, I guess I, I got to Kate Spade after working at Big for four years and really wanting to do something. Um, you know, at Big we work with really huge brands in a very in a very holistic sort of way. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to take that learning and take it to Kate Spade and see see really how it works on the ground level, at a place that you know where we can control everything from the advertising campaign right down to, um, you know, the price tags. Mm-hmm.
1: And you're enjoying it.
2: I'm enjoying it a lot. What do, what do you
1: find to be the most interesting, exciting, thrilling part of your job?
2: I mean, the best thing about being at Kate Spade is mm-hmm. that, first of all, we get to we get the opportunity to work on so many different aspects of the brand. Mm-hmm. But the really cool thing is that it's it's something new every day. Another, you know, the thing that I like the most about it is that, um, you know, we have this. Uh, the the team is able to actually not only design the shoe but also polish it. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know. So we're actually doing product design, but we're also selling that product. So we can talk. We can kind of build stories around that whole process.
1: Mm-hmm. And in terms of creating Kate Spade as a cool brand, you know, referring back to the question that I asked Lane, how how did she become so cool? Was that something? Is that something you can ever plan for? I don't think
2: you can plan for it at either. all. I think yeah. I think it's about personality. I think her and Andy are just amazingly creative people who have a really, really finite point of view on life. And design and style, and that comes through in the work. You know, they they have a very, you know, they have an opinion, and it comes through in, in, in what they create. And I think it's that personality that people um, react well to.
1: And how do you and how do you manage to keep that fresh and and something that's constantly intriguing to people?
2: That's a good question. I think you know, luckily, you know, we work with an amazing group of creative people who are constantly. Trying to stay fresh themselves, mm-hmm. so if we can bring in you know those sort of things that that we Get inspired by over the weekend if we can bring that into work during the week We know that we're, we're kind of doing things that are fresh mm-hmm. that makes sense does,
1: Is it does anything piss you off Do you ever lose your temper?
2: Maybe not on the outside,
1: on the but I certainly
2: do on the inside.
1: Yes, yeah, so what makes you angry?
2: um that's a good question. I don't get angry very often, No, yeah, no? No, I don't. I think, you know, the only thing that really makes me angry is when, you know, um, people don't see that that we offer value beyond just design and mm-hmm. making things pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where it gets frustrating because I really think as designers we're, 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 we're k- kind of business, you know, people who solve business problems as well by using design.
1: Yes, my good friend Cheryl Swanson yeah. referred – I told a client once when they asked for too many changes on on an assignment that she was working on that she was not a design waitress. Right. And I love that. Right. (laughs) Well, we have to take another break. I'd like to let our listeners know that this is Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I'm your host, Debbie Millman, and my guests today are the bad boys of design, Lane Bronstein, Josh Chen, Alan Dye, and Manuel Toscano. Don't worry, we'll get to Josh and Manuel after our next break, so please don't go away.
6: Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared for continuing business education. Business Talk Radio. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com.
1: And now, part two of Adobe's Voices of Design series, a documentary that brings together different voices from the design community to share and exchange. Today's topic is sustainability. Enjoy.
7: The Challenge of Sustainable Design. Let's listen to what the designers at the Compost Modern 2006 conference have to say on this topic in Adobe's Voices of Design series. Here is Sonora Bean digital hive ecological design
4: sustainability isn't just a great idea but it's a design challenge and so as designers how can we use our skills and our thinking and our strategy
0: to promote social change
7: Ron Radziner, Marmal Radziner Architects
0: I think that architecture As a profession, that we've become too removed from the actual act of making, and we've become kind of just aesthetic consultants. And I think that our office is this attempt to bring that all back together, which is really how buildings used to be designed and built, and take responsibility for what we design.
7: You have been listening to the Voices of Design series brought to you by Adobe Systems.
0: grunt yeah be
7: like oh, uh, 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 uh. there you go
0: you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent when you adopt a child from foster care just being there makes all the difference to learn more call one 200 4005 a public service announcement brought to you by adopt us kids the u.s department of health and human services and the ad council you hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line but what about your bottom line how come no one ever talks about that Finally, a show dedicated to the worker, The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, The Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, The Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, businessamericaradio.com
6: keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business.
0: We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 866-472-5790. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman.
1: Live from the Empire State Building in New York City, you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the only talk radio show on the Internet focusing on issues relating to graphic design. I am Debbie Millman, your host, and my guests today are the bad boys of design, Lane Bronstein, Josh Chen, Alan Dye, and Manuel Toscano. If you want to join our conversation, our phone lines are open. We actually have a caller holding. Isabel from New York, thank you for calling Design Matters.
4: Hi, Debbie. Hi, everybody. Hi,
1: everybody. Um, I have a
4: question for all of you alpha males. Well, it's actually a two-parter.
5: i like oh, no. to know, have,
4: have you ever quit a job to preserve the integrity of a design or a piece you felt strongly about? And if not, do you think there could ever be a circumstance in which you would? The reason why I ask is because each of you have been in the business for quite a while. And I just want to know if there's ever a point in which you can just say, look, I'm not going to sacrifice my passion
1: over profit. Good question, Isabel. Thank you. Um, Manuel is chomping at the bit, so let's start with Uh, him.
3: Yeah, because uh, I confess I I have fired a few clients.
1: You have? Oh, good. Let's hear some Uh, stories.
3: But the strange thing, it's never been about, um, I mean, usually it's because I think profit is going to get, in, not in the way, but that... The client is actually going against their own interests, so profit is part of the reason. Their
1: profit as opposed to your profit? Their profit,
3: yeah. yeah. Usually I fire clients when I know that their choice when it comes to the design services that we are giving is going to influence negatively their profit. That's when I fire them Mm -hmm. because I much rather fire them before their, you know, that happens before they end up finding out that uh, what we went with is, is impacting them negatively.
1: Now, have you ever threatened to fire a client that then turned around and did what you thought they should be doing?
3: I think that's how we get all our clients to do what we want. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you have to do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alan, what about you?
2: You know, I really haven't. No? You know, that, yeah. I've never quit a job. What would you be know, Professionally, this? I, I've stopped yeah. working with some freelance clients just because... You know, frankly, you know, I, I work enough as it is. If I'm going to do work on the side, I'm only going to try and do work that is beneficial to both myself and to them. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I've, I've stopped working with people when I've just said, you know, you can, you, you can find that somewhere else and spend someone else's time doing it. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: what about the, what about Josh and Lane, our, our foreign uh, callers?
5: I, I uh, fired a few. I'm oh, sorry. I fired a few clients.
1: Oh, I'm sure you have. <laughs> <Lame>. <laughs> and
5: stay out, <laughs> clunk. <laughs>
1: tell us about, tell us one, tell us one really good, juicy one.
5: Well, um, I, I think it's, it's more, you know, mm-hmm. when when you start out with an understanding of what, what you are to be doing together in collaboration with the client, it, it, it's... Lane, a I'm going to, you to I'm gonna ask
1: you to speak up because I can okay. barely hear you, and if I can't, then I'm sure that our listeners can, can't hear you at all.
5: Okay. Can you hear me better now?
1: Yes, okay. there's a Verizon ad there,
5: right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, like I was saying, I, I think you know when we enter into a, a partnership with with a client, it's the understanding that there's mutual trust and respect. You know, that what each of us brings to the table is important for the pro- project to be successful. And when when that starts changing, when the you know when the client starts overstepping what theirs us be doing, and starts meddling with, with the things that we bring to the table, and, and it just doesn't prove, prove to be a good, you know, a good, successful relationship anymore. Then, then you have to let it go. Mm-hmm.
1: And Josh, what about you?
5: Oh, well, that was me. Oh, you oh was me.
1: Josh, I'm sorry. I thought that was Lane. <laughs> See, if I can't tell, then you can only imagine what the listeners are thinking. <laughs> 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 So, what about, what about our last man standing?
4: Uh, well, I tend to be pretty selective about the clients that I, I, I take. I came close pretty recently to firing one of my clients because the project took a big turn towards a religious nature.
1: Really? Yeah, how did, and I how wasn't. How did, how did too it take a turn? That. I mean, how do you not know that going into a project that it's going to have a religious under overtone? Of sorts? Well,
4: he said that it was faith-based, you know, and, and I was okay with that. But then when I finally got the copy for this particular site, uh, it, it got into a little more detail and more than I was willing to be associated with.
3: So you didn't like the faith associated or just the amount of it? Uh,
4: it, was, it was over the top as far as okay. I was concerned.
1: In what way? Give us some details.
4: Um, let me think of one. Uh, it started getting into feelings on Jesus and the Holy Ghost and all this, all this jargon and that kind of thing. And I thought it was just going to be more on a spiritual nature. Okay. And it was just, to me, it was way, way overdone, uh, more than I'd want it to be associated
5: with. Mm -hmm.
3: Holy Ghost is very difficult. I still don't understand what that
5: is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Josh, um, I read a quote about you that I'd like to ask you about. Um, When asked about what you've had to learn on your own, you replied, Everything. I love rolling up my sleeves and becoming part of the entire design process, learning that firsthand. Schools tend to be overrated. Why do you think that schools tend to be overrated? And did you go to school for design?
5: (laughs) I'm going to pay for this.
1: Yes. Uh, (laughs) Bad boys of design, what can I tell you?
5: I did not go to school for design. Okay. Um, And I think one of my pet peeves about design school is that it's, it's completely well not completely but it's it's greatly not realistic in terms of how how we turn out designers that have no you know no way of relating to the rest of the world
1: what do you mean by that
5: um i think i think we end up being very insular we end up being very self-serving we talk about design amongst ourselves we have this language like this well,
3: <laughs> somebody's <laughs> listening now. <Al. laughs>
5: <laughs> exactly like
1: this. We have another caller on the line, okay. so yes, somebody's listening. Uh, but So so, so, do you feel like, I mean, would you encourage kids not to go to design school? What? Would you, I mean, what? if somebody were asking you for advice about how to educate themselves and they were 20 years old, what would you tell them?
5: I, I think I would remind them. I mean, I, I don't think going to design school is a bad thing, but I, I would strongly urge that they... Learn about life in all other areas as well. You know, that, that design school isn't it. That's not the defining thing for, for who we are as people. Mm-hmm.
3: But doesn't that apply to every profession nowadays? Are we more inclined to be self-centered? I have
5: I I don't know, I, mean, I have a suspicion that we're more self-centered in some ways. I mean, I think just even Think about the the business aspect of design. Most most designers who come out of school have no clue what the design what the business side of it needs to look like, or or you know the challenges of that. The challenges of relating to a client that hasn't gone to design school. How do you how do you talk about your work? How do you talk about you know why this is important versus what the client wants or what the client has in mind?
1: Manuel has a deeply furrowed brow here in New York. Bring it on,
5: Manuel. <laughs> I, I should
1: warn you, Josh, Manuel went to Harvard. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a very expensive program that the IGA offers, but uh, that I definitely recommend. Um, I have to say that... Uh, I didn't go to design school and I have, uh, you know, I always have this problem when we find new people for the studio. We are a little bit of a hybrid uh, studio, so we try to emphasize as much about um, people's interest in the world as their interest in typography. So sometimes that is very difficult to find, yeah. uh, just because it really takes a particular kind of person to be interested both in the world and in type. And I think that when you find both, that's a pretty unusual and very lucky situation.
1: I only know two people like that. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan has learned to buy us shows. Um, We have another caller on the line. Harold from New York, thank you for calling Design Matters.
5: Thank you very much. Um, everyone on the show today seems to be very successful in their chosen field at um, a fairly young age. So I wanted to know what do you think it takes to succeed as quickly as you guys have and what part of it is luck versus skill?
1: Oh, good question.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 that's, that's how we, we all think
1: Gentlemen. about it. I <laughs> we have two minutes Lock. to the break, so you're each going to have to give, a, give me a 30-second answer.
2: I think you have to work hard. You know, that's my 30-second answer. I think it's I think it's working hard. I think luck plays plays a big deal in it, but it's also just uh, you know putting your nose down, making a lot of work and making a lot of mistakes, and and growing as quickly as you can.
1: Manuel, what about you? I see another furrowed brow.
2: Too complex of a question because you always need to
3: kind of uh, trust yourself enough to to go for it, and at the same time be so insecure that you double check everything, try to make it better, and. Fight for it. I don't know. It's maybe we are all weird.
1: Like Lane, you're the youngest. So what about you?
4: You have to be willing to take chances. You know, and, and a lot of, I think luck's just a big part of it. There are a lot of skilled designers that are out there that aren't getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know a lot of them. They they work just as hard as I do. You know, you just just have to keep chomping at the bit, and hopefully hopefully you'll get somewhere.
1: And Josh, what about you?
5: Oh, I think you have to just pursue your passion. You know, and not not look around to your left and your right to see what other people are doing, because I think that that's very detrimental.
1: I mean, I think the one thing knowing you all a little bit, all four of you, is I think that it's a sort of relentless pursuit of your passion. I, I mean i'm I'm thinking about all four of you and what you might all have in common, despite having very different design styles and and different very different personalities, I would say that it was a a constant constant pursuit of what you believe in and what Mm -hmm. you need and want Um, well unfortunately we have to take another break the show is going very fast today I'd like to let everybody know that they're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business I am your host Debbie Millman and my guests today are the bad boys of design Lane Bronstein, Josh Chen Alan Dye and Manuel Toscano we will be right back with our broadcast after these messages so please don't go away (laughs)
6: Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared for continuing business education. Business Talk Radio. Voice America Business at VoiceAmerica.com.
1: And now, part two of Adobe's Voices of Design series, a documentary that brings together different voices from the design community to share and exchange. Today's topic is sustainability. Enjoy.
7: The power of designers and their influence on sustainability. Let's listen to what the designers at the Compost Modern 2006 conference have to say on this topic in Adobe's Voices of Design series. Here's Michael Schwab, Schwab Design.
0: Design does influence people, and whether it's subconsciously or or obviously, design does mean a lot, and and, and it leaves a lasting
7: impression. Paul Saffo, Institute for the Future. Designers are thought leaders, and they're action leaders. Designers have got to get this right, and they've got to define it right, because if they get it wrong, all their wrong ideas are going to be embedded in everything everybody else uses. Mark Willard. Designers have been shaping culture for as long as there's been design. We have a huge opportunity and I think before long it's going to be an obligation or a mandate to figure out how to solve these projects, these issues, these desires with sustainably relevant solutions. You have been listening to the Voices of Design series brought to you by Adobe Systems.
0: The challenge of change comes as ramped up due to the advent of information age and the interconnectedness of the global community. In a high-tech world, the ability to embrace change, adapt, and respond accordingly is key to personal and professional success. Talking Change with Ann Powers, airing every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, explores the hows, whys, and what to do when faced with change. Embrace the new reality. Adopt transition into your personal power portfolio and tune into Talking Change with Ann Powers every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time right here on the Bottom Line Business Talk, Moist America Business. Learn to thrive, not just survive, in business and careers. Unleash your full potential and greatness with the Thrive Factor. Unleashing your potential with tactical coaches and success masters. Hosts Dory Willer and Eva Gregory. Dory, Eva, and their masters of thriving expert guests inform, educate, elucidate, and inspire with leading edge information. The Thrive Factor. Unleashing your potential with Dory Willer and Eva Gregory. Broadcast each Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. The Thrive factor success and inspiration at the click of a mouse
6: the bottom line in business talk voice America business
0: we're back with design matters with Debbie Millman if you have a question for Debbie feel free to call us at 866 472-5790 once again here's the host of design matters Debbie Millman
1: Welcome back, it is 3.46 Eastern Time, and you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my lively guests today are the bad boys of design, Lane Bronstein, Josh Chen, Alan Dye, and Manuel Toscano. We have a caller on the line waiting to speak to the gentleman. Anne-Marie from California, thank you for calling Design Matters.
4: Hi, I have a question for everyone. I was wondering if you felt a difference in the sensibility from female designers versus male designers, and what if so, what do you think about female designers makes them different?
3: Well, um, Manuel, I should just let you know that I uh, used to work in an all-male design studio, and strangely now, the men are disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe maybe I, I, I find that if you if you do corporate work, uh, working with female designers is, is better. They they deal with confrontation and compromise, and they're, they're much better in that situation than male designers.
1: Really?
5: Yeah. yeah. I, I would agree.
1: Alan, what about you? As the uh, expert here, making handbags and shoes. Oh
2: man. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I I work really well with women. I work with with like I said earlier. I work with five amazingly talented designers, and and um. You know, I think they I think they they all they all bring something different to the table, but definitely um. It, it's just a matter of. You know, they're definitely they're, they're definitely a little bit more detail oriented mm-hmm. than me. That's for sure.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna go around the room, so to speak. Who do you think is smarter, men or women? Well, women. Babe. Alan.
2: Come on, women. <laughs>
1: Lane.
2: Yeah, women, I agree.
1: And um, Josh. Women. Is that because I'm a female host? If I was a male host, would be like, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like my male, inter- my yeah, male was, impersonation?
3: But I wonder if they're so smart, why they go out with men?
1: Well, there's
5: That's
1: a some show, right? that don't. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be a separate show. Um, and Marie, thank you for calling. You're um, welcome. In, in, in the last uh, ten minutes or so of, of the show, I'd like to ask you all what you're currently working on and what you're feeling most passionate about. Alan, you want to go first?
2: Um, well, at Kate's Bay we're working on you know a, a, a bunch of different stuff, but but the thing I'm most kind of interested in is we, we just published an edition of small books. They're going to be really great. We're going to sell those at the store. Um, hopefully in the next month and a half
1: What kind of books?
2: Just little small art books that are created by the studio Really having very little to do with you know, The brand The brand itself But mm-hmm. kind of inform it in this kind of interesting sort of way Little small books Everything from a, a, a bunch of photos or drawings That one of the designers did And it's been really great Because it's given us a chance to do something creative And kind of small That doesn't relate del- directly to the brand But still tells a story about who we are as a brand
1: mm-hmm. And is the brand still growing? Is Kate Spade doing well?
2: Absolutely Yeah, really well
1: no. And, Manuel, what about you? What are you working on?
3: Um, well, we, we work on a lot of different things, but I think the thing that is more interesting for me is uh, we're working in emerging markets. We do branding for um, some foreign manufacturers in Asia, mm-hmm. and that we're doing worldwide branding, and also we're bringing um, NGO, a non-for-profit, here to the States. Mm-hmm. So that, that is very interesting work for us. Well, it's so translation work?
1: Translation work. So, so <laughs> non-government organizations. Which ones are you working
3: with? Uh, well, c- currently we are actually working with uh, three different ones. Uh, we work with a small group uh, in uh, Argentina, mm-hmm. uh, the Working World. They have. Uh, it's an o- something that started from uh, the Take a movie by Naomi Klein. Mm-hmm. On, uh,
5: um, no logo. Yeah,
3: yeah. Her and uh, this is a. Uh, very interesting uh, ways for uh, uh, workers to take over the control of the factories that have gone out of business due to the IMF uh, problems in Argentina a few years ago. Then there is an Italian organization uh, called Emergency that uh, actually um, has hospitals for civilian war victims in Afghanistan and other countries, uh, including Iraq. And uh, they are trying to come to the U.S. and start uh, also doing operations here of fundraising and also running hospitals from the U.S. Uh, That's also. And something in Brazil, uh, dealing with the rainforest. I'll let you know about that one. So you're
1: doing a lot of traveling.
3: Well, uh, yeah,
1: I hate planes. But you do it anyway. I have to, (laughs) yeah. Lane, what about you? What are you working on?
4: Um, I'm working on a uh, lot of large commercial projects right now, but I think one of the things I'm most excited about right now is um, junk, which is... um, A site that's just purely for me and it's um, it's a motion uh, based series uh, and it's based on consistent themes but every time you look at each piece it's never the same Mm -hmm. so every every time you go look at it on the web each piece is is similar but it's completely different
1: so is this a a program that you've written that's that's completely innovative is is something that's ever been seen before any place else
4: um actually yeah uh, the, it, it, a lot of it was programming. I'd say about 50% of it was programming and 50% of it was just pure design. Mm-hmm. But it's the merging of video, photography, graphics, and just hours and hours of programming.
1: Sounds really cool. Where can people see that work? Is it is it up yet? Is it out?
4: Yeah. Um, well, some of it's out, but it's at J-U-N-K-T Okay,
0: cool. Yeah.
1: And, Josh, I know a little bit about what you're doing, but why don't you tell our audience what you're working on.
5: Sure. Very, very
1: Uh, exciting project. Yeah. Uh,
5: We're just the mother of all projects. (laughs) It feels like, you know, uh, it needs to go out a couple weeks ago. Um, Basically, we we just finished authoring and designing our latest book called Fingerprint, and uh, it's all about using handmade elements in graphic design, Mm -hmm. how to, you know, retain that passion and the connection, that, that human connection that we so badly and desperately want.
1: Now, how books is publishing this? Is How books
5: is publishing. Right? Did you go to
1: them with the idea? Was this something that you came up with and pitched?
5: Yeah, something that we uh, we wrote the the book outline and pitched it to them. They thought it was a great idea. Part of the, the the appeal of this book is going to be not just your standard portfolio showcase where you have different projects from different designers that that they talk about, but also we'll, we're going to have um, essays from five different. Leading thinkers and designers of of, of our uh, our contemporaries, mm-hmm. um, one including including one from from our lovely hostess, <laughs> Debbie. And, which
1: I drove uh, you crazy with. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I think it's going to be really great. I think it's it's going to be really exciting to not just look at um, very inspiring design, but also be able to read um, essays from.
1: Well, you know, it's really interesting. I've gotten more um, reader email—I mean, sorry, listener email—about my Art Chantry show than any other, and it was about the comment that he made that he had to go back to school because he could no longer produce work and give it off to printers in the style that he's most known for, because printers didn't know how to deal with it. He'd have to create it on computer, so he actually has to go back to school to learn how to create on the computer the look that he does by hand. By hand. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's um, quite quite a remarkable shift in the way that we approach design, I think, the fact that so little of it is now actually handcrafted.
5: Right.
1: When is the book coming out?
5: Uh, I think it's coming out later this fall. Okay. Yeah.
1: Now, um, I want to ask you all, um, do you ever feel insecure? Always, oh, especially right now. You do feel insecure, now?
3: It's almost over, so we are okay, right? Yeah, we're,
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. There's very, very little time left for you to make a fool of yourself. Um, do you ever feel insecure, Ellen?
2: Every single day. Really? I can't sleep and night. My wife can't stand me because I, I'm up all night. You know, because I'm always anxious that I'm always convinced that that I'm going to get found out. Really? The next day, you know.
1: Is that just universal, or is it just? Designers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Let's say it's universal.
1: But Lane, I have a feeling you don't feel that way. Do you ever feel insecure?
4: Uh, actually, I do. You know, I feel like every day for me is a, is a gamble. You know, you never—you're always putting out a bid for clients. You're always trying out new design work, and you never know what's what's going to fly. You know, and especially for me, you know, my business is my business right now is generally new,
5: mm-hmm.
4: and it's
5: very, very hard to get that going.
1: And, Josh, what about you?
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think even after, you know, being, doing this for 15 years, you still think that, you know, today's your last day.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, in our two minutes left, or less than two minutes left, I do want to get in the um, pop culture questions because I've gotten some flack from some listeners that are missing that aspect of the show. So, you know what this is. I ask you a couple of questions, one or two word answers. Um, what defines a man, his drive or his drink? Manuel. How
3: bad he drinks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alan.
2: Cinco de Mayo. Got to be the drink.
1: <laughs> Josh.
2: <laughs> drive. At Lane. Drink.
1: Um, what's your, who's your favorite superhero, Manuel?
2: It's always me first. <laughs> Captain America.
1: Okay. Alan.
2: Oh, man. I always like those two that could turn into water and... The two the Wonder Twins or whatever they were.
1: Uh-huh. Wonder Twins. There was one that could
2: turn into ice and one that could turn into an animal or something. I don't know. Uh,
1: okay. Uh, Lane? Uh, Wolverine. And Josh? It's got to be Gatchaman. Oh, wow. And last question. Paris or Nicole? Paris the city. <laughs> 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 what about you, Alan?
2: Nicole.
5: Josh? Oh, gosh.
1: That's a hard choice. Oh, make it fast. <laughs> That's a cold. Okay, i all right, well, we've come to the end of our broadcast. I'd like to thank my lovely bad boys, Delaine Bronstein, and Josh Chen, Alan Dye and Manuel Toscano. I'd also like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Adobe and Nina Paper. Brian Travis and Ruben Colomb, thank you for your help. My lovely partners staff and staff at Sterling. Join me next week with Executive Creative Director of Martha Stewart Living, Omni Media, Gail Towie. Thank you for listening, and remember, we can talk about making a difference, we can make a difference, or we can do both. I am Debbie Millman, and I look forward to talking to you next week.
0: Voice America Business would like to thank you for tuning in for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Be sure to listen every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for another exciting hour of Design Matters. Right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America